We are going deep in week five. Angelo Fantasy, Brandon Angelo, Matt Waldman, Matt Waldman, if we're going to be redundant, you know, on that end of it. Um, we got a lot of good stuff that we don't have to be redundant about with this, um, with what we have on the schedule to discuss. I mean, we're going to talk about some things about quarterback development trajectories. Um, something I want to share about Tom Brady that I shared with some RSP subscribers that I thought would be a fun thing to talk about. We'll talk about Denver's backfield, Arizona's wide receiver core. And of course, we're going to touch on Jameer Gibbs because everybody else probably has of course. Thursday oh, yeah. night. You know, every in the mom. That's right. And then might as well travel across the, you know, just a, a, a couple states over maybe and check out uh, Justin Fields and the Bears offense versus Denver. Um, I don't know and, why we're doing that, but thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> it could, at least we're talking about them. We oh, could, we God. talked about just Dustin or Deshaun Watson last yeah, time. So it's yeah. only fair, I guess. Good but point. yeah. So since, since we've got the topics there, what, which one do you want to start on first? I'll give you the choice at least. Oh man. Um, I like the order we, we, we talked about the okay. rookie quarterbacks thing has been a cool one because we have, I would say two statistical outliers in Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud. They're playing at a really high level. And Richardson's been the interesting one because I think he's been the more surprising one as a passer. Right? Developmentally, like we thought he was going to come to the league and, and struggle, right? Like barely complete 50% of his passes and, and be missing receivers left and right. But he's looked the part. Like, he has stood in there in the pocket. He's navigated the pocket well. He's thrown with tempo. He's commanded the offense really well and made good checks. Like there's things he's done week to week that have been just really impressive to kind of watch him grow. Um, and obviously, he has a ton of upside as a runner, and his athleticism is unparalleled position for his size in particular. But, man, he's just been – like, this last game against the Rams, he made some throws that – I can count on a few fingers how many quarterbacks to make those throws, especially the one against when Aaron Donald was was bearing down on them. Flick of the wrist, forty yards. The you know to Pierce in the first down, like it's that was a jump pass in the grasp inc- of Aaron Donald. It was incredible. Did you see Aaron Donald's face? It was incredible. Yeah, that was. Aaron, yeah, he was. Uh, he looked pissed. Shook. He didn't yeah. know what to do. <laughs> Yeah, what do you do? Because I mean, yeah. you know, like, what, how many quarterbacks are getting getting out of that alive? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. moving the chain. Yeah, he made many. He makes Aaron Donald look like a weak side linebacker in terms yeah. of size. I mean, yeah, and yeah, I mean, like, I anticipated that. I didn't know what kind of offense he would be in and what they would do, but I like the Shane Steichen at least in the first couple of weeks. First game, all right, we throw a lot to the right side, comfortable side. We're gonna do a lot of looks that maybe kind of like where we don't have to ask you to do a ton of manipulation all the time, but that's okay. Then you've seen them slowly expand or gradually expand to where he's, you know, he's getting more looks on the right and left sides of the field. You're seeing them go, you know what, when we're, when we're in the two minute mode or we're in the end of half mode, you know, four verts, go for it, you know, do what you need to do to make some of the choices you need to make. Um, and, I, and I like that they, you know, the the track that they're taking with him. Um, I, you know, personally, I always thought he, I thought he was the best pocket manager in the class in terms of how he moved and how he could throw and manipulate in the middle of the field with a lot of that. I just didn't think he was familiar with a lot of things that 
the NFL is going to eventually yeah. throw at him. Yeah. And I think that that's where, like, for me, you know, we look at a month of games and we're looking at Richardson and Stroud. And you, if we want to throw Jordan Love into the mix saying that he's not sure. he's not a rookie, but he's getting his rookie amount of right. starts or even Desmond Ritter into that mix, then, you know, I'll, I'll, one of the things I often bring up is that, you know, I've had scouts say, listen, four to six games, defenses are playing their scheme, and then they start to, to tweak it after yep. those four to six weeks. And that only that takes a little bit of time to do because they're not going to throw the whole – they're not going to take those four to six weeks of reports together. We're going to throw everything we think we can do against this guy. Um, we're going to pick one or two things that if we get derailed here, we still have our regular game plan. And then they yeah. build that book. So, you know, I want to caution people that as much as like, I mean, I, I love Richardson. I love what Stroud's doing too. They're, they're my top two quarterbacks for sure. But I think that, you know, we saw with Jordan Love this week against Detroit. Detroit played a lot of man-to-man. And the early weeks, yeah. they played a lot of zone. And he struggled. And, I mean, that game was over with five minutes left in the first quarter. Like, yeah. it was – and that's the thing, too, is I'm interested to see, like, after – after I'd say, like, six weeks, I think, is a good barometer. After six weeks, even four weeks, you could say, in, like, in Love's case, obviously, he's had, he's had some starts um, prior to this year. You get to see if they can make adjustments on the adjustments. Yes. Right? And that's the cool part, too, and that's a lot of what we don't know yet. Right, we don't know what we we don't know, and I think one of the you know crazy things is when we talk about like you know running backs, receivers, they're going through similar things, lesser extent than a quarterback, but they have to make adjustments on the adjustments of how teams play them schematically. Yeah, and some teams are going to kind of mask that, right? Like Detroit and is is kind of masking a bit what they want to do with Jameer Gibbs. But one thing I'll say, if you look at the all point two of Detroit. Jameer Gibbs is drawing a ton of attention yeah. from the defense. And I think that's when people are like, well, why did Detroit draft in the 12? That's it right there. The threat of Jameer Gibbs is just as just as big a deal as, as him having the ball in his hands. Yeah. And he opens things up, you know, in the middle of the field for Laporta and St. Brown. There was a just a swing route he ran, and you saw the linebacker and the safety tail to his side. And what happened in the middle of the field, St. Brown ran a slant 15 yards first down. Right? That, that's not – if Dave Montgomery runs that same swing route, that safety doesn't doesn't crawl to the, to the boundary side and try to stop the swing. No. And that's the thing I think that's interesting about some of these rookies is the threat of them is present. Some of them is, some of them not. But also to how their offensive corners are going to navigate how teams are playing them to still keep them – as effective as they can be and developing as the year goes on and as their careers progress. Yeah. Because I always talk, I always think about rookies right now is the first four to six weeks is, do they look like they did on tape in college? Are they acclimating fast enough that they look athletically like they did? Cause a lot of people go, well, that guy looks slower than he, than I thought he was in college. Well, that's because he's thinking too much. Probably he's process. It's right. taking a while from the process information at the level that he was when he was in college. So he's probably not slower unless he's hurt. It's, it's that he's probably just thinking slower and playing slower. Um, right. And then those next six to eight, you know, those next six weeks, six to eight weeks after that, maybe even longer 
is when the teams throw the book at them and say, like you said, adjustments on adjustments. Can they, can they, can they show that they can do more than what they've shown on tape in college with more complex yeah. defenses, more complex disguises? I mean, look at Tua against the Bills on Sunday, and I showed a number of things where, or a couple of things where it's like, okay, the Bills didn't take the bait with that late jet motion, um, mm-hmm. and they also said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna open up a safety's chest to the middle of the field and have him back off like he's going to like rotate to one high and then we're going to have the corner on that same side start to drop off late pre-snap and Tua notices both those things but post-snap he doesn't give the back the check to see what position those two guys were in so he just immediately throws the short pass to that side and the the cornerback was already coming downhill and the safety had already turned back to face to cover the flat and they just bash that play for a two yard gain. And it was, you know, and there were repeatedly plays like that. And if you think that Tungvaloa, who's an, um, you know, emerging star, you know, a good starter, who's an emerging star in terms of production on a, on an awesome offense struggles with that stuff. Well, that's, what's going to happen, you know, in this middle period. And then that later <laughs> stage of those, you know, games 18 to 30 of their starts, these rookie starts is, are they going to grow beyond what we saw on their college tape? And that right. determines whether they're going to get that next contract or not. So 100%. the NFL media spends so much time going, you know, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, um, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, they're off to hot starts. They look every bit the number one, you know, overall pick that they were. And then they're regressing, you know, when things happen. Yeah. You know? it, it, it's developmental hierarchies are really interesting because you look at the, the quarterback position is so complex and also from like an ecosystem standpoint, right? It's so important that everybody's on the same page offensively and you have the right personnel to run what you need to run when you make adjustments, right? Some of these teams don't like Bryce Young, does, poor kid. One of the league's worst offensive line. Yeah. Miles Sanders has been one of the most least efficient, most least efficient backs in the NFL. So that really hampers your run game. And you have a receiving core of a rookie, LaVisca Chenault Jr., who is who he is at this point, DJ Chark, and Adam Field. Yeah. Like, you don't have a number one, then Carolina says they're shopping for a number one right now. I mean, good luck. Yeah. Right. Because like, the people they're talking about are, are number twos, like T. Higgins yes. and Jerry Judy. Higgins, Judy, Marquise Brown. These are fine twos in the NFL. But these aren't guys that are like alpha targets, right? These aren't your twelve to th- these aren't your twelve targeted game guys. Yeah. So and it really hurts when you don't have a go to guy like that. And you know, and with CJ Stroud and look at his development. I mean, Nico Collins is turning into that, man. I mean, he's he's been he's been balling. Tank Dell looks fantastic. Um Dalton Schultz is and Dalton Schultz and Robert Wood are great veteran presences for yeah. for that kid. Um and their offensive line is in pretty patchwork, but you know what? It it they're working really well with what they have and the Colts, I mean, Shane Steichen's just a, I mean, he's he's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, with what they've had, and I think Josh Downs did a, he was awesome versus the versus the Rams. I think he's going to be an emerging star um, in this league. And over the next quarter of this season, I think he's going to be someone that sees a lot more work, um, not just in the slot, but but as the mover in the offense. 
yeah. and getting him more targets. I think Pittman, Pittman's a good, Pittman's good. Um, but I think that's a really interesting one where yeah. I think Josh Downs is going to be someone that's going to be uh, kind of ascending from that, from, from that offense and through the league. Yeah, I love it. And it's, and you know, for me, I'm, I look at like, somebody asked me on Twitter who was like, you know, I watch your work, but I feel like you've got blinders on when you're talking about Anthony Richardson and that, you know, he was your number one quarterback on on your board. So therefore you still think he's better than CJ Stroud based on how I'm looking at the way you're talking about them on Sunday. And, you know, first thing I said to them was, well, first of all, you know, I'm gushing over them in different ways in different contexts. So, you know, what you may not understand is that my process, my process of how we're looking at players and the way we just talked about the development hierarchies and where that goes, I'm still at the stage of saying I'm basing how I feel about the players based mostly on what I saw them, you know, pre-draft on tape because there's just not enough information. And the fact that CJ Stroud was my number two doesn't mean that I think the guy's trash just because I still like Anthony Richardson. But what I would say... You know, if I were looking at it, if if the rest of the next six to eight weeks or six to 12 weeks looks like what we've seen thus far from these two players, then I would still roll with Anthony Richardson slightly above C.J. Stroud. And it doesn't mean that I don't, you know, that I don't honor the idea that C.J. Stroud could wind up being a better player for a longer period of time. He's, you know, he looks fantastic with what he's doing. But when I think about, Richardson and think, okay, can CJ Stroud do what Richardson does athletically? And the answer is not, no one can not, you know, so no one can and Richardson's and if what we're seeing out of Richardson right now, he's not raw with his footwork. He's not raw with his release. He's not raw with moving in the pocket. He just never, he's just never seen certain defensive looks. Yeah, there's a lot of experience. Yeah. yeah. So you can't, if, you can't fault him on that. If he's acclimating fast with experience to this level and he can do these things like, you know, that throw to Michael Pittman where Pittman got grabbed by the, or hand in the face. Or yeah, in the back mask. of the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, yeah. that was a pretty looking throw in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. I mean, things like that, things with the Don, the Donald throw, that beautiful throw to Josh Downs at the end of the half. Yep, in it, the middle of the field, yeah. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, I'm, then, yeah, that guy, his upside's too strong, you know? He's, he's, because he's learning fast and the other things are happening. Now, with Stroud, I, I love the decisions he's making. He's in there. He's getting rid of the ball quickly, and there's they're they're putting in situations where he can get rid of the ball quickly too. But there are a lot of times that teams serve it up on a silver platter for them to get rid of the ball fast, and they don't do it. So he's he deserves a lot of credit for that. He's been very accurate. Um, you know, he's he's limited mistakes, and like you said, with the two receivers, I mean, I feel like with Nico Collins, you've got a good zone answer for the short and intermediate and vertical ranges of the field. And then with Tank Dell, you've got a good man-to-man. Yeah, you got your man-beater. And that's going to be super important moving forward is you have that man answer. And I think that's something when you look at, you know, Bryce Young doesn't have that. Yeah. He, he doesn't have – I mean, I think Adam Thielen's a good zone receiver at this point. I think he understands how to sit in him and, and where he kind of fits in the context of the defense. But – God, man, I mean, if you have no man answer, teams are just going to play. Like, the choice just – that's going to be ugly. I think. Yeah. Like, that's going to be an ugly game. Um, 
Because if you don't have a man answer against Detroit, like we saw it happen to Green Bay. Yeah. Like they don't have a man beat. Like they yeah. don't have any man beater um, on that offense. I think Christian Watson's okay. I think he's a good vertical piece, right? I think he, he could be a good player. Um, Romeo Dobbs, I think, is a really good low red zone. Yeah. Got, that's kind of where he shines. But besides that, it's, you know, Jaden Reed's still figuring things out in the NFL. Luke Musgrave's a vertical tight end. So it's like, you yeah. know, what are you going to do? But yeah. and he looked, And he looked confused. And once once Love got confused or felt like he didn't have anything open, and Packers did a couple of things that were interesting. Like, they seemed concerned in the in their, either their red zone, deep in their own red area, where they did max protect on a couple of plays where like it was basically two receivers going into a coverage of six defenders and no one yeah. was coming open. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. And, and it got to the point that you saw love start to make mistakes where he had a wide open AJ Dillon on a check down and he waited like two beats too long to, th- to throw the ball. Like he just wanted to continue to look downfield. And it was the whole idea. I think teams are looking at him and go, this kid tilts in the hero ball. If when things don't, when he gets um he has a bad play or a bad couple of plays and he gets in the quicksand with it so i'm hoping because he did that at utah state i'm hoping he gets out of this because if because i think you can you can really see the promise with him mm-hmm. it's Absolutely. Just, you know you can see the promise there you just want to see him get through that a guy i just don't see it with right now is desmond ritter um, oh yeah i mean I, I was talking with one of my good friends about ritter today and it's you know the the question is what do you turn to Heineke because yeah. you watch you watch Ritter's games and he just looks very uneasy with his decisions and it's like if he makes the right decision it's like oh oof. <laughs> that worked yeah. man I didn't think that was gonna go the way it did yeah but like it, it's it's crazy because I mean thank God they drafted Bijan or else they'd be in deep yeah. right now. I mean, yeah. he's been their offense. And I think Arthur Smith started to realize, like, oh, shit. Like, we need to – this kid needs to get 75 80% of the snaps here. Because yeah. Tyler Algiers, I think he's a good back. He's a good back. And yeah. he's going to be in this league for a long time in that bruiser-type role. He's a Dan Campbell back. Yes. And, yes. you know, when Montgomery moves on, Algier, 100%. Yeah. But, you know – Bijan's a chain mover for them. And the thing is, you can't get the ball in Kyle Pitts' hands. And he doesn't look good either. He's still struggling with the knee. But, man, like, Drake London's a good player. Yeah. He's not existing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, Ritter just looks – Yeah. And, what are you going to do? Yeah. And and they've tailored the offense to try and make it easy for him. And he's still making it hard oh, on yeah. himself. And that's the biggest problem. In the past two years, it's been that way, even with Mariota. You, you yeah. saw similar things. They're trying to tailor towards it. So it is. It's time to go to Heineke and see what your offense can be because I think at that point it becomes a referendum on the decision to pick Desmond Ritter and not Arthur Smith's offense. And Arthur Smith is eventually going to need that, you know? Yeah, and it's been, it was interesting because if you think of him, Ritter was the first quarterback taken in that draft from my recollection, right? No. Or was he the no. second? He was the third. It was... It was Pickett. Oh yeah, that's right. Pick Pickett. Was it? No, Will- he was. Was no. he the second? He was the second. He yeah, was, he was the second. second. Yeah, because yeah. he was after in the Pickett, third yeah. round. He was in yeah, the third after round. Pickett. Yeah. So you had a choice between Sam Howell and Malik Willis, basically. Yeah. Both of which I think are were more, better 
players or are better players than Ritter is and offers you more. So like, yeah, like when you're evaluating Desmond Ritter, and really the big thing is where what's his superpower? Yeah, doesn't, doesn't have one. No, right? Sam Howell keeps plays alive. I I think he's he's a he's a gamer. He plays well in big moments. I think Malik Willis is a really live arm. He's super athletic. Desmond Ritter is. What does he what does he do for an NFL offense that's above average? He he does he's he does everything he did everything well enough in college, but not great. And yes. I think that some, for some reason people thought they could unlock whatever it was that they th- thought was going to be great with him, but it, I don't think that's there. I mean, and it's interesting because he did get because he was in the third round, I think, right? I think it was third round, yeah. yeah. He did get the opportunity to sit some games. He needs more time to sit, if if anything. He needs, yeah, he definitely needs. And he's not, I don't think he's the answer. I'm, and he, who knows if he's the answer somewhere. But, man, he's not, you know, that their defense is too talented, I think, for him to be playing right now. Yeah, and I think that... This is kind of the thing that I want to get back to because I've, I, I don't know. I like preaching this idea that owners have lost their minds about having guys start right away, and at, at the at the quarterback position. I mean, way back in the day, you know, Terry Bradshaw used to get yanked repeatedly. Um, Drew Brees, even as recently as Drew Brees. He got yanked multiple yeah, times. Yeah, the Chargers, yeah. You know, um, he credited Marty Schottenheimer for that, um, for helping him develop because of that, you know, because the way they did it, you know. But you, you get the intermittent playing time with so many guys. Aaron Rodgers got some intermittent playing time because he was behind Favre. He got to clean up some games, just like Love mm-hmm. did. Um, Love would have been a disaster if you ask oh, me. My. He would have been what Zach, we saw of Zach Wilson. We yeah. would have, he would have been Zach Wilson bad. If he got to start right away, yeah, I, I'm gonna agree. Yeah, so when you look at Brady, I, I watched this thing with some guy named Patrick David Bet or Bet David or something like that. This thing on on YouTube on Tom, uh, an interview with Tom Brady, and you know the first thing that was notable was that this this interviewer was either playing the fool to catch the wise or he was legitimately thinking, Tom, you please, you've got to admit that your motivation to do what you've done was to be better than Peyton Manning or to beat Michael Jordan's, you know, championship records or, you know, these guys. And Tom was like, you, when you listen to him, you're, I was convinced very easily that Tom was like, I don't think about that stuff. I I mean, yeah, I get angry. I, I use the, I was the sixth round pick as ammunition occasionally for things. And I will use certain things as motivation but it's motivation short-term. It's like short-term fuel. If you yeah. try to use it as long-term fuel to get your game better, it's never going to work. It never works. It's like you've got to have that internal, right. intrinsic motivation to get better. And he talked about his story at Michigan being the seventh quarterback on the depth chart and having an offer from Steve Mariucci like two years in to be the starter at Cal and go home. And he was like, and he talked to he would talk to his quarterback coach about like I'm not getting enough opportunities in practice. I'm not getting enough of this, and I'm getting an offer to do this. 
And they were like, look, stop. If you want to go, go, we'll be happy for you. But if you want to, you know, if you want to be, you want to be the best and you came here to compete with the best, then you need to, you need to value the two reps you have. Like they're the Super Bowl. And you need yeah. to like it, just the two reps you have and do what you can there. And it'll take care of itself if you really approach. And he said, I did that. It was frustrating and it was hard. And yeah, Lloyd Carr, you know, Lloyd Carr, you know, platooned him throughout his entire career. And like, he was better in a lot of regards. And they still like stuck with Drew Henson at times or went back to the platoon. And then he, but he said, by the time I got to New England after all of that, when I was the fourth or fifth guy and they had Damon Heward and one other guy and then, you know, and then like two other guys and, and Drew Bledsoe, I didn't think it, I didn't think it for a minute right. about being that deep behind everybody. I just focused on myself and I always focused on myself and I had that year to learn and I got better and I, cause I sucked. Like I, you know, I didn't look at it that way, but I, but I knew that I had a, a lot to learn. And I think that, you ask quarterbacks now, they're conditioned to by their agents, by their coaches, by everybody, by the media to say, I'm ready. I can do this yeah. now. I have to say that. I just think yeah. you look at this and they're ruining these huge investments, these huge dollar investments. I 100% agree. And I think a lot of it is kind of like, it's the stigma of like society as we are what, we are kind of what Amazon is, right? If you think of it like this, like it, it's the it's the Amazon age, as I call it. It's everything has to happen now, and if not, we have to know exactly what is happening, yeah. right? And that's the issue: is you look at some of these quarterbacks that needed time and significant time. Zach Wilson, like we brought up, Wade Lance, and what happens if we don't give them time? and they're not ready from an experience standpoint, you throw them into an abyss of giant question marks and they can't answer any of them. They cannot, they have no idea what's going on in front of them. They're flustered. They, they're getting all this information. They have to regurgitate to, to, to pen your vets. And it is so nerve wracking these guys are all uber talents, right? Like these are first round picks. Like these are, these are guys that should be dominating on the NFL field and they're total shells of themselves because they can't, they have so much information surrounding them. We, we kind of heard this with Luke Getze last, um, last week in a press, Justin Fields talking about Luke Getze in a press conference. Yeah. Well, I'm just getting so much information, man. I just want to go out there and ball. Like I just want to go out there and play. And, that's what happens with a lot of young quarterbacks. They're getting all this information. They have all these expectations from people around them, and they get all this. They get the status, right? But what happens if you just take off that pressure? What happens if you take the Patrick Mahomes developmental arc? Yeah. You're sitting behind Alex Smith and learning from Andy Reid, and you're in the quarterback room sitting back and taking all of this stuff in. Those questions get answered a lot quicker. Right, and you're able to kind of see things before they happen on film. You don't get that chance if you're out there every Sunday taking snaps, yeah. you know. And that's and that's the and that's the issue, right? The Tennessee Titans they're in a pickle too with what you know. I talked about this last year. The worst thing they did was 
not sign a backup last year. Yeah. The worst thing they did is they, they had a good thing in Malik Willis. I think he could be a damn good NFL quarterback. But they threw him out there on Sunday Night Football with Nick Ikeny Westbrook as his number one option. Yeah. And you thought developmentally that was a good thing for a third round rookie <laughs> like are you kidding me yeah let's set people up to fail it's, yeah, it's and that's exactly what it is it's it's crazy to me how these how these multi-million dollar organizations can't understand basic human psychology yes yeah. basic stuff but and you're just over and over again and it's probably and i would argue it's probably not the scouts it's probably not even the gm it's probably not even the coach it's that they know that they're going to have to do it because their owner, their billionaire owner, who's uh -huh. the son or daughter of somebody else who earned their their way into this organization um, or built this organization, um, they're the ones that are calling the shots and they're playing fantasy football and they don't and they don't really understand football. If they understood football, they would be. We need to take our time with this we need to 100%. give these guys an opportunity you know let them let them have package plays let them have a you know start them off with a series then the next game maybe uh, two series then maybe the next game after that you get the three or four series next thing you know they're playing a quarter maybe they're right. playing a half you know and and you understand that this is how we're going to do this and yeah, if the guy gets hurt and things don't work out, you know, maybe you get pressure with that, but it's the same thing that you can have the same pressure you were going to have if you started him and he makes dumb decisions and then he gets hurt and it doesn't work out because he probably got hurt making a dumb decision or not knowing what to do. So it's yeah. like, give them, you, you know, give them that opportunity to, to build on what needs to happen and, and go from there. I mean, I, I don't know. I I think that it's funny to me that you have, you know, Brady, Favre, Rodgers, Steve Young, um, Steve McNair, um, you know, who Rich Gannon, um, and Tom Brady, yeah. Kurt Warner. These were mm -hmm. all MVPs of the league, MVPs of the NFL, had at least one MVP year, and none of them were first-year starters. Not a one, you know, not first game, at least most of them were, most of them were split in time at, at the very best, um, and getting that, that opportunity. So yes, I understand Brent, Ben Roethlisberger kind of broke the curve for, you, you know, and that, that was kind of the thing that started it for a lot of teams, but it was a bad, poor excuse to try and do that and be demanding of that. And half of the and three quarters of those teams don't aren't the organization uh that of the level that the right. Pittsburgh Steelers exactly. are. Exactly. And that's a huge deal too is you look at some of these organizations the, the these these guys are coming into, right? It's you know, like Zach Wilson going to the Jets. The Jets just weren't very good. Uh -oh. Right? In general. So you're asking someone who hasn't played a lot of ball, at least high level ball at BYU who has a lot of experience to uplift an organization that's in an extremely tough, hostile market, it's a recipe for disaster, right? And, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the thing, man. It's crazy. That's what people don't understand, too, or people forget, is that, like, when you evaluate a player, 
and you say, I don't have him projected as a starter right away. I've projected right now as a, as a rotational starter or a contributor or a reserve. It doesn't mean that you don't see the path for them to be a starter, but if they had to play right now, this is you're going to see a backup and a starter in a starter role. You're going to see a developmental player in a starter role. And then you and then at that point, yeah, it's easy to say in this foot in this era of football where owners are too impatient and and the way our media is and the way everything is set up, Zach Wilson's going to be a bust. Unless you know, or Malik Willis is going to be a bust unless, you, you know, and, and that's the problem is that they don't have to be. If Terry Bradshaw came into the league right now, based on how he played with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he would be Trey Lance. He would be Zach Wilson. He would be, John Elway would have been one of those guys. He got benched a couple of times or he got pulled from games, if I remember correctly, or at least he struggled at times to the point that Terry Bradshaw used to say that he was, you know, complain about him on national TV and say bad, you know, kind of say, very be really critical about him in in a lot of ways. So, you know, with that in mind, let's go to Denver. We had, you know, we talked about, I just mentioned John Elway. That backfield's gotten kind of interesting because you got Javante Williams. You know that he's a solid to a very good running back when healthy, but he's coming off that injury. Now he's got a hip issue. We've got Samaje P. Ryan, who's the, you know, kind of the tractor trailer who can pass protect and catch the ball and is a very skilled back, but he's mm-hmm. a Dan Campbell back. I think that's a great way to put it. You know, yeah, he's, 100%. A, he's a total Dan Campbell special. You know, in Absolutely. A heartbeat. I love Dan Campbell backs, to be too. honest it's with funny. you. But he yeah, is. They're good backs. They yeah, are. Yeah. And then you got Jaleel McLaughlin, who came yeah. in because of Williams' injury. And now Sean Payton's like, yeah, you know, we need, we're probably going to look into expanding his role. Um, he had juice. Yeah. We gotta we gotta look into that with players who've got juice like that. Hey, hundred percent, because they don't have much on that offense. And if you really look at Jalen McLaughlin, look at just watch the game, all twenty-two, whatever. Oh man, he's their best playmaker by a mile. Yeah, I like, guess not even close. Yeah. And the issue you kind of run into is Sean Payton has to realize, and he does, and he does a good job. One thing I will say about Sean Payton is this is that thing we saw with Alvin Kamara's rookie year, 2017. Yeah. They had Adrian Peterson. Remember that? Yeah. Ingram, Peterson, Kamara. And Kamara was playing so well in very limited action, like end of games and, you know, limited touches. They let Peterson go, and they gave Kamara more touches, right? And it worked out. Kamara was rookie of the year, I believe, and was absolute stud. I don't know if Jalen McLaughlin is going to be rookie of the year right. or anywhere near Alvin Kamara, but for that offense to be at its best, he has to play that role in terms of snapshot. Yeah. And that's going to have to be, especially with with Williams and the injury, right? ACL. And now we have a potential compensatory injury with the hip, with the hip flexor, right? Seems like a mild hip flexor strain, probably grade one. But that will kind of metastasize into other soft tissue problems if that doesn't get taken care of, right? Because the ACL is root issue, and that's going to take another 12 months to fully get over. So 
you might as well look to the future and say, is this Jaleel McLaughlin a kid where we don't have to worry about that position for the next few years because we have Javante in the bruiser role and we have Jaleel in the slasher role. And that's kind of how Sean Payton works. And coincidentally, that's why that's where Dan Campbell got his running back rotation. Yep. Because he was there in 2017 yep. when Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara were there with Sean Payton. Yeah. And he has bruiser slashing. And that's, I think, the role Jaleel McLaughlin's going to play. And then they have a third, a tertiary back that's usually. You know, it's it's um it's the Reynolds and the in Dan Campbell system, right? And it's the guy. It's just the kind of do it all, but don't do it well. Like does it well enough to not make mistakes, and that's Samaj P. Ryan. So they have a really good setup where Sean Payton's comfortable. But you have to see if your slasher role in the future, the near future, is gonna be Jalil McLaughlin. And yeah. I think it can be, and I think he deserves the opportunity to earn those touches because Sean Payton loves for his running backs on third downs to run angle and option routes. Staple of his offense. Loves that. And he can actually do that with McLaughlin. Can't do that with Javante Williams. So that's a big deal in how he wants to operate over the middle of the field, um, especially since Jerry Judy hasn't been that good. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't been as he hasn't been what we thought. So you need a middle of the field, middle of the field mismatch, and Joel McLaughlin can provide that among other things, and, and how good he's been as a rusher. You know, no doubt. And the thing that really stands out about him as a rusher is that he attacks downhill tight creases as if he is thirty pounds heavier than he is. So that confidence, and you need that confidence as a runner like him you know you look at jamal uh, jamal charles jamal charles was great in that capacity he could hit holes with that level of ferocity and confidence in it, as an interior runner and you're seeing that from mclaughlin right off the bat he's he looks exactly like he did at youngstown for that you know in that capacity and then you see that quick twitch ability out in the open field which is fantastic the only thing that's really missing from his game um that that needs to get better is pass protection. And that's not yeah. going to be a, that's no. never going to be a, um, a thing they're going to demand a lot from, but yeah, linebackers off the edge, you know, cornerbacks and safeties, you've got to do better than what we saw in yeah. the one singular rep last week against Sam. Yeah. A lot but, of it's, I, I think it's experience and I deem those, I think it's yeah. super important. In in understanding those this week, I think it was uh, the Panthers and Vikings game where Alex Nass and I did one, and he got clobbered. But he's but he's still you know he kept he kept Cousins clean right. Yeah. But that's really what a lot of it is is having enough reps and experience to understand. Oh crap! This is what's probably coming. I have to get myself in position to you know to help my quarterback out. Yeah. Um, but these guys are so young; it's just, they don't they don't have yeah. enough ball. They don't have enough ball played to actually yeah. you know. And, you have that stuff going. and it's a good and it's a good point because um and we'll transition to jameer gibbs on this front like in a second i think let's skip to him and then we'll talk about arizona but um you know with mclaughlin i think he's a guy i recommend today in fantasy like if you're one and three oh and four and you have a like dearth 
usually that means you have like an imbalance at one position. Like you're really good probably at sure. one position and really bad at another. And at this mm-hmm. point, I, I look at it and say, if you're one in three, oh, and four, and you're not scoring in the top 30% of your league and it, and it, or you're not scoring there, but it's because you've made dumb lineup decisions that you can correct easily. Um, then it's time to take some chances. Don't give yeah. up. Just get creative and start doing things. And one of the things that I recommended was like, you know, get a guy like McLaughlin if you can. Like if you can, yeah. if you can add him to you know to your team, and he be your starter, he be your running back two or your flex play, and you know that, or a guy like even Ronnie Rivers or Latavius Murray or somebody's just going to get you points, even if it's on a small volume right now. Because everybody says, you know, volume's king with running backs. And it's true. But you're not going to get a running back with volume if you don't have any running backs to begin with right now. Yeah, and, and so, so while you're tra- trying to negotiate a trade or trying to get, you know, grow some sort of surplus somewhere else, start picking off. Not only do you pick guys like McLaughlin or Rivers or someone who's going to be in the game and give you a puncher's chance at a big play that gives you a running back one value in any given week. Start picking all the backups on teams that have good offensive lines, you know. Yeah. You know, get yourself Kenneth Gainwell again, who got for, who's forgotten about, or get yourself Elijah Mitchell or Jordan Mason behind the the Forty ers line, or anybody who's behind the yeah. Eagles, Forty ers Dolphins, you know, Bills. Damian Harris is probably sitting out there, you, you know. You, you know, yeah. you start collecting guys like that because you just never know. And to me, like. McLaughlin's that guy that can bridge you a little bit, at least to give you a puncher's chance at points. And maybe that's the difference with you winning a couple of games over the next five weeks that still keep you mathematically involved in the playoffs. So yeah, that's a that's a good point, especially when by like bye weeks are kind of coming up. So I think a guy like McLaughlin now, at least one worst thing's going to happen with Williams, he's going to miss time, or he's going to be limited in terms of touch share for the next three to five weeks, yeah. right? And I think the back to in that touch share is not P. Ryan, it's McLaughlin. And I think as well, the Broncos defense is a bottom four unit. So they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So your pace of play with the Broncos is probably going to be in the upper third of the NFL. McLaughlin will probably start to play a lot in that two-minute, four-minute window as he gets more comfortable, which is going to be really big for Russell Wilson checking down and and receptions are going to be a bit higher and elevated over the next three to five weeks for McLaughlin. So it's a perfect opportunity to fill him in and and get get some points. Hundred percent. Yeah, and we had a you know we had another. I saw another running back today talking about um, Jameer Gibbs on Matt Harmon's podcast. I saw somebody Eckler me that clip of Eckler talking awesome. about Gibbs. That was, was that good. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And for those of you who haven't heard it. Um, I would definitely recommend you go check out Matt Harmon's podcast. Yeah. It's a great podcast anyway. Him and Eckler do great work. But the things that he brought up was just to summarize is that there are – Jameer Gibbs looks like an NFL back. He could be a starter right now for a lot of teams. It's just that when you look at Montgomery, there are little nuances to his game that he demonstrates that maybe Gibbs is still getting comfortable with um, that, you know, in terms of – how he positions himself to finish runs, how he sets up cutbacks in the hole, how he can bleed the most out of every play 
in ways that are just little things that you gain when you've been in the league for a little while. In addition to what I would is just that we know David Montgomery's a bodyguard in the in the pocket, whereas yeah. that's not Gibbs's role at this stage, you know. But those are things that they brought up and said, "Hey, you know, yes, he's good. You know, you're just in a, you're just if you're a fantasy player, you're stuck in a situation where you've got a really good player who is still learning and they're playing winning football. Why are you going to change the recipe mm -hmm. from the winning football that you have with a player who happens to be a little bit more experienced and have a little yeah. more nuance to his game, even if he's, oh, he's slow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. He's always no, slow. He's slow. No, it, it, I can't stand watching him because he's slow, you know, because he's a Dan brutal. Campbell back. I love Dan Campbell backs, but that's the thing, you know? So, yeah. you know, what do you, I'm glad you saw that as well. I thought that was a fantastic. Oh. It, it, no, it was, it was, I think we need a lot more of that from other positions. I think Eckler is a great, I think Eckler is also a natural um, at, at giving his insight and analysis. I, I think it's awesome. Um, but really, I think the biggest thing with Jameer Gibbs is he's 21, 21 years old. He's not even going to be 22 by the end of this, end of this NFL season. So he's a infant in terms of being an NFL running back, right? But when you go back to what we talked about him in college, he's a really he's a reason he's drafted twelve. Yeah, right. He's dynamic as a runner. Didn't didn't run a lot between the tackles and like below twenty eight percent in as time at Alabama, but shows the capacity, especially the the movement intellect, to be really good there. And I think what we saw, especially I want to highlight the game against the Falcons. Two reasons: a, that's a really good front. You got, you got Calais Campbell. You got great Jarrett. You got two high-level linemen on that. Um, and then Montgomery was hurt. So Jameer Gibbs had an elevated role. He had 17 kicks. Okay. At 80 yards. And he did one thing that I love to see backs do. He closed out the game. Yeah. And averaged over like five and a half yards of carry in the fourth quarter. Made some really good runs. Had a run where he got through a skinny crease, made a guy miss, and got twelve. And the next run, he had twenty-five, and he was just kind of feeling it, right? And you can kind of see that light bulb come on, um, and that's a really cool thing to see for young players, right? That doesn't happen a lot in like your first, the first four games you play. Um, and for Dan Campbell to trust him with seventeen carries rather than going with Craig Rones, because they could have won that game with Craig Rones, maybe, right? But to, to see what he had means, okay, we know this kid's worth what we have, right? We, we gave him the 12th pick. We were excited about that for, for not that reason, too, which is they wanted to see if he can be, he can play the other role. He's the slasher role right now, but can he play that bruiser role that we need him to finish out games? And he showed that he could. Not probably level Montgomery, because that's what he does, does, does best and does really well, is like, among other things, it'd be bodyguard but i think it's funny because i i, I have a lot of jameer gibson fantasy and it's frustrating but from like a evaluation standpoint you understand why yeah you understand why they're slow playing it he's really young and as eckler put it he's really green he hasn't seen a lot yet. so we're not gonna give him a lot and he hasn't seen a lot on a per-touch basis, yes, he has been more productive than maybe 
absolutely. He's top eight in most most important advanced metrics, right? Break tackle rate, elusive rate, target share, all the really the the clicky fantasy ones, right? All the big ones. But that's because he's a good football player. Yeah. Like first round draft. Yeah. Like, he's supposed to be good. Like yeah. but if he is, but it's just not in high volume because right now Dan Campbell is winning games controlling the clock. They are twenty eighth in the league in pace of play. Twenty eighth. I mean, this is not this is not a team that's gonna be in the top quarter league in pace of play with how well their defense is playing. Yeah. And that's the thing is they're not getting in shootouts. They're they're getting in neutral script or positive script games. And until they, even the Chiefs game was a a weird script, right? It was a a fairly neutral script game. It wasn't super high scoring. Um, And they're not going to get a lot of those. And that favors neutral script plus games favor David Montgomery. Because he is going to be the one to stay stay on schedule keep the offense in the proper down distance. Um, and they need a big play, sure, Gibbs, come on the field and see what we can do. Um, but I think really we're seeing everything we thought Gibbs was going to be from a talent standpoint. He showed that. I think he showed that in the opening game against the Chiefs. Right? Yeah. He looked fantastic. He was he was electric. He was like, we want to see more. Yeah. Right? And um, But I, I think it's just, a, it's just patience because he's, you know, he's – He's averaging just as many carries per game in his first quarter of his career, first four games of his career as McCaffrey and Kamara. And, you know, he's on pace for 50 catches and 1,000 total. So he's he's doing he's doing well with limited touches, but just a, it's a patience thing. Yeah. And he, Dan Campbell wants I, – I appreciate – I appreciate and I'm frustrated with Dan Campbell at the same time because I want to see more. I think a lot of us want to see more, but I do appreciate it from a player development standpoint because they're bringing the kid along and my belief is the right way. Yeah, I would agree completely because it is. Don't put too much on him. You got a veteran who's made enough mistakes in the league because veterans make mistakes and survive them because they're good. And they're good enough to survive them. So, you know, David Montgomery is not going to go into a shell if he makes a huge mistake. Jameer Gibbs, on the other hand, might be more inclined to do that, even if he didn't. You know, he might be more inclined as a rookie. And you're winning. So if you're winning, why are you going to put the risk of giving the guy too much at once that the, at the, that the, the, what ends up happening is that he makes a mistake that is a fatal error for that game you know right. at some point he's going to get those and he's going to get those opportunities but right. why why do it now right away when you have a perfectly good player so that makes sense arizona is an interesting thing because you know you, josh dobbs played nice this weekend against the 49ers defense um but michael wilson two touchdowns and he's had some good games in the past few weeks yeah. he's and he's not dropping the football. That's one thing that was his big thing. Yeah, and... he, had, he had two big ones out of college. And, and you and I talked about this in July, I think it was. It was Michael Wilson is probably a late first, early second round talent, if not for two things, drops and injuries. Yeah. Right? And he was off injured. He, I mean, he barely played throughout his collegiate career. 
Um, but when he did play, especially the Senior Bowl week, I think was one. Yeah. Him and Tank Dell were the stars of the show, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, from like a route running, like a like a one on one standpoint, they dominated those runs. Um, and we're kind of seeing that too. And we're seeing really with Wilson. I think that's really nice to see. Is he is doing a great job with spacing in the look. And that is a quarterback's best friend. He's understanding the closures of space and the openings of space. And he's understanding where he needs to be when he's beat. The timing element of the low red zone, which is super hard for young players to, to kind of exist there. And we haven't seen that yet. With, you know, guys like Jackson Smith and Jigbo haven't got a ton of opportunities there. Quit Johnston and a few others. But I think he's going to be someone that is a Michael Thomas-like yes. possession receiver in the NFL. Yep. He's going to be a winner in man and zone, and he's going to make the right play. Is he going to be a super splashy playmaker like his running mate Marquise Brown? Absolutely not. But he's a chain mover yeah. that has been really – I think he has a perfect pass rating when targeted yeah. so far in his young career, and that's a really impressive thing. And also on the other side, man, Josh Dobbs, like, Josh, like he's playing so well that you look and say, would Kyler be playing as well as Josh Dobbs at this point? And I think the answer is no, because Josh Dobbs is not only making some good plays against some good defense, he is not making mistakes. And that is really what has plagued the Cardinals with Kyler Murray is mistakes and, and not being on the same page as receivers. And, you know, really, if you're the Cardinals, you look and say, oof, when Kyler's healthy, what can we get for Kyler Murray? Yes. You want to offload that yeah. contract, spend that money somewhere else, get some weapons in here, fortify the offensive line. And we talked about this if with Colt McCoy as the possibility this summer. We weren't even this was before no. Josh Dobbs even got no. traded to the Cardinals. And here we no. are. Here we are. And and you made great points about that. And it's and you know, you look at a guy like Thomas, he's someone you can build around. Because the other thing that I love about this team is because Drew Petzig is like, Yeah, we're gonna take a page from the Cleveland Browns playbooks and and play a little bigger. We're going to run the ball more. And the the only big receiver on that team is Michael Thomas yeah. right now. And he has been fantastic as a blocker. The effort's there. The positioning's good. He falls down, pops right back up, and still has position. He's running combo blocks yeah, really well with defensive good. ends out, peeling off to safeties or linebackers off to safeties. And he's, and he's so... He understands patient but sudden so well with his route running. I mean, he's his he's patient to the point where he needs to be, and then that sudden is nearly is violent in terms of like how violently he moves when it's time to like be quick with pulling that trigger to make to set up that move. And you know the the thing about him that has been great to see is the um the effort that he's put into catching the ball because he's talked about at the senior bowl i'm putting in the effort every day i'm working on that um 
and the way that he talked about his game, you get the sense that he was a student of the game, but you never really know. Like, even if you're a student of the game, you don't know whether they're learning the right things, whether they're practicing the right way, whether they're, they're really getting the, and this kid, I think has, has it figured out like how to get better. Yeah, it's important. And I think it's the one thing I love about what the Arizona Cardinals are doing. It's, it's a no pressure system. And I think that's why a lot of those guys are playing really well, right? Especially Josh Dobbs. Like he's playing at a level right now where he is either A, going to be the starter for the Cardinals, in my opinion. If he plays this well the rest of the year, he's going to be starter for the Cardinals or starter for somebody else. Yeah. Right. I mean, at, at very worst, he's a bridge quarterback for somebody else. Um, but this makes you also think about, holy cow, Tennessee messed up. Yeah. Like, like think about that. Like Cleveland messed up. Yeah, Cleveland messed up. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh messed up. Messed up. And that's the crazy thing. Is it, it takes, you know, it takes fit. It takes environment. It takes a player understanding their role and and getting a say like to in the offense and what you're running and and that it's a crazy thing man i mean like all these guys are super talented but like what he's doing has been super it's been super cool and i think too for fantasy i mean man if you i mean if you have a quarterback two problem you can do way worse Uh, yeah joshua dobbs pittsburgh 2018 either hurt in 2019 or not in the league in 2019, not officially part of a roster Pittsburgh in 2020 and then Tennessee in 2022. Cause he was with, he was with Cleveland in 2021 and played well in the preseason. And then they cut him and yep. Tennessee picked him up. Then Cleveland picked him back up and then ended up trading him. Yeah. So that it was insane circle back. To our pre our earlier conversation on this show, here's a kid who a lot of I remember, I remember watching him and being like, and just making fun of him the way I would joke about Tutu out while being too small and the wind yeah, going yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, sure, I would joke sure, that sure. I go Josh Joshua Dobbs is proof that you, you that being a rocket scientist does not help you. In the NFL, he was an aeronautical engineer at, yeah. uh, major at Tennessee and wanted to help build rockets. Like that was he wanted to be a rocket scientist, and he has the education to do it. And unbelievably smart dude, grew up not far from where I live, um, and he is, you know, he needed to learn how to play the game at the higher level. That was really, yeah. it, you know. And decision-making was the big thing with him. That's all it was, was pocket feel and decision-making. And those are things that take time to learn if, you, if you're if you just getting leveraged for being a runner with a big arm, you, you know, in the way Tennessee did. Because he was a mess in the pocket back in yeah. Tennessee. But, but you could see the athletic ability was there, and you knew he was smart. So here we are. Joshua Dobbs slipped through three teams' fingers. And he was another guy recommended today for desperate people. I said, dude, if you have a top quarterback, if you have a quarterback that you can trade and, you know, and get multiple pieces, and even if the pieces are 
you know, a quarterback that people think they want to sell high on, like Josh Dobbs, Sam Howell, you mentioned him, you know, guys like that, um, Jordan Love, you know, pick one of these guys because they may not be your quarterback to finish the season, but there's a chance that they will be and be good enough. Dobbs could be one of those guys. But you get one of those guys right now, you get better pieces because maybe you need a wide receiver core. So now you got a, a good wide receiver too in Josh Dobbs. Maybe that yeah. doesn't look good that you gave up, you know, Patrick Mahomes or you gave up, you know, somebody, you know, hopefully you got more than that from Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, you give up somebody who's like that solid, that that strong for multiple pieces to give you a shot at being good. Yeah, you know, no, it you got to do it. Sense. You, yeah, in no, a desperation situation, you know. Yeah, because I think too, with you know, like in fantasy and in real life, what one thing that Josh Dobbs gives you, you loop to it, rushing upside. He had forty yards, I think, in his past two games, and you watch. There's some more designed runs, yeah. which is, I think, when they first got. I mean, remember, remember before the first game, he was with that team for like half a week. Yeah. He started. Remember that? <laughs> that's it's right. Crazy. That's, and that is crazy. crazy. That's, that's how good he's been. That is so crazy to me. He's literally been in Arizona for a calendar month. It. Yeah. Like, no training camp, no OTAs. He's been in Arizona for a calendar month. He's going to learn the playbook, understand personnel groupings, meet the coaches, and he's averaging okay san francisco he only averaged 6.5 yards per attempt but against the cowboys he averaged nine yards per attempt and eight yards per attempt against the giants and then yeah he's had his rushing totals 48 against san francisco 55 against dallas 41 against the giants yeah you you know Uh, and is there a good defense in their division I'm trying to to think about it. I don't think so. I I don't really think there's a really strong division, or and they have not played other than the 49ers. That's the one strong defense, and he that was his best game. So, yeah, I'm he's taking care of the ball. This is it's a fantastic development, you know, to see. No, it's a cool story. I mean, yeah. I, it, it's one of those things where you kind of root for guys like that that have been. Yeah. You know, kind of tossed around the league a bit, and you know they haven't found a home. And I mean, yeah, he's playing good ball, man. And 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 the Cardinals are no no pushover right now. Yeah. Like they, they're playing good team stuff. Yeah. Do you feel? Does it feel like? Um, does it feel like they got robbed by their last coach? A little bit when you look at the contract yeah. and the house that he's got, and the- yeah, I think it was. You know, I think it was kind of that wave of it was that Sean McVay wave of we want the the young, the trendy head coach who can do parlor um, tricks for for drinks during at the cocktail who, party for the owner. Yep, and you think it's going to be good for for Kyler? Uh uh-uh. uh Yeah, and it just didn't work out. And I think that I think they have to move on for the whole thing. Yeah, and I think that I think the Kyler ship has sailed. I mean. It's awesome that he's doing well in ACL rehab, but his decision-making just didn't get better magically. And it's not, this is not a team where he can make mistakes with right yeah. and succeed. Yeah. So he it's needs, interesting. 
he needs time to sit. But I don't want. I don't think either of us who are Agreed. fans of the two teams that we like, we don't want him there because it would feel like our teams would probably just ruin them. So I'm... you know, Cleveland and then the Bears. So Justin Fields, let's move on to this, and then I want to ask you one more question because we didn't get to it last time about sure. Shador Sanders and 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 oh, Coach sure. Prime. Yeah, for sure, sure. But, but Justin Fields and the Bears offense versus Denver. I thought we saw a lot better things this week. Yes. But we also saw some mistakes that were tough. But, you know, in the scheme of where they came from, I really don't care that he play-actioned his way into a blitz and gave up the touchdown. Right. I mean, it sucked to see that. It sucked to see the, the play call at the end with the fourth and one. And he don't probably had a rushing lane. But <laughs> But... Those things, I don't care. What I did care about is it seemed like a victory for Justin Fields. I think, I think it was a victory in 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 a sense where we're like, okay, he's an NFL quarterback. Like he looked the part, right? He made the right decisions. He got the ball on time. He wasn't staying there in the pocket waiting for people to get open. If he didn't, he just he took off, right? Or he threw it out of bounds. I, I think it was a victory in the sense where you can look at that game and say he took a step forward developmentally and we're not too screwed in the near future. If, if he was, let's say the bears do win a few games magically, we're not going to be screwed if we don't get the first overall. Pick, yeah. Right. Like we're going to be okay. We just have to do a better job developing because Luke Getzey is, he's not, he's not it fine. But he refused, he's not it either. But I was just happy that Justin Fields made plays with confidence. And I think that's the one thing you saw at Ohio State. He oozed with confidence, man. I mean, he was just dealing in some games. The, the It was the Clemson game where he, he was – I think it was he and Lawrence were going toe-to-toe. It was super cool to watch and, like, just oozed with confidence. We had that, that absolute dime to Olave from, like, 60 yards in air. Like, that's, like, who the kid is, right? Yeah. And so, like, you take that – confidence away and he's just a, a really athletic quarterback who can't read defense because he still can't like he that's not him yet right you have to give him half field reads you have to roll him out you have to give him some rpo but that's okay you don't right? have to make full field reads to no, be an effective quarterback you do, in the NFL. you do not but i i i thought he took a big step forward and i'm happy I don't think they're going to win very many games. I'd be shocked if they win tomorrow. But you get the you get in the conversation of do you take Caleb Williams? Yeah. Or do you keep Justin Fields? Yeah. Because what's going to end up happening is if you get number number one overall pick either from Carolina or Chicago, do you take Caleb Williams and give him the keys to the city and say go win us some ball games? and get a head coach that wants to develop him. And that's the thing is, the task is developing this golden goose of a prospect. Yeah. Right? Is in that if the thing is like if you do that, the coach's whole entire career is going to come down to can I develop this guy? Yeah. And that's going to be interesting to see if they if they go that route. I mean, if you if you pick one and two and you you draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. I mean, yep, man. Yep. But no, I mean, 
it's it'd be interesting to see. Be interesting and, to see. And I would like to see Justin Fields in Atlanta then. I, I agree. I think I 100% would, agree. That would be a killer place for him to be. He'd be home. He would be with he would be with a coach that I think that could probably make the most of him. Um, I know that, you know, we, people probably thought that about Marcus Mariota. Um, but I think Justin Fields has a fast enough processor when he's playing the ball that he's comfortable with. Whereas I think Marcus Mariota, you could always hear the clicks in his brain. Yep. 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 You could always see that. And Desmond Ritter, we see that already. So yeah, well, let's end this this way. Uh, you know, we were going to talk about Shadur Sanders and Coach Prime, um, you know, after the Oregon loss. And, you know, I had a fun conversation with Felix Sharp and uh, and Kyrie um, Demos, who writes for me at the RSP site. And, and he's a former O-lineman. And and uh, we just talked about Coach Prime and, and, and some of the things that I think some people didn't realize is like, you know, I don't know. We can take this whatever direction we want to, you know, I just, you know, for us, we talked about it from the standpoint of that. Maybe people don't understand the cultural differences of what coach prime, you know, you know, what Felix brought up really well is that there, there, there are thousands of coach primes all across the United States in terms of how they conduct themselves, how they approach things, how they care about the kids. Um, but the things that maybe some people don't understand in their cultural bubble, um, you, you know, they end up criticizing. And I mm-hmm. think that we're seeing that a lot with him. Whereas like I brought up is like, you know, Lance Erline talked about his dad, who's a former Marine, former Vietnam veteran, coached the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line to a Super Bowl. You, you know, is as much of an old school coach as that you can imagine. And he loves Coach Prime because he said at at his heart, he's an old school coach who understands yeah. about winning. You know? And I think that you know, and I told a story about Coach Prime when I waited on him at a at a shitty restaurant thirty years ago, uh, coming off of an arrest that he had that was a dumb arrest that really wasn't his fault. It was an overzealous police department, and I know because I know a, I knew the co- a cop who didn't work there, but who was a veteran who knew that this police department, the way they behaved, was overzealous and was complaining about them to me before. Dion got um, arrested there, but he acted like a fool at the restaurant in the sense of like, it was an empty place. He acted like he was Ric Flair, literally from the time he entered in, like he was doing this. His friends were like, you could tell his friends were just looking at him like, there he goes again. And he was just kind of extra. I'll just put it that. He was very extra about everything and he didn't need to be, but he was, but he was 23 years old. He wasn't 53 years old. And, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, you got to give people room to grow and still be the essence of who they are in the yeah. good ways. So, you know, those were some of the things that we mentioned, but I would love to hear your thoughts on just like what you think about, you know, what he's done so far. What do you think about the criticisms, how the coaches are reacting to him, some of them? Yeah. You know, all of that. It's interesting because I think he is perfect for what we want college football to be now in this whole nil and transfer portal and what he's doing is he's showing especially the one thing that stood out to me was was the whole mclean thing when he goes on and someone said this is a five-star kid 
why isn't he playing? He's like, didn't show up to meetings. He's late. I don't like it. He's not playing. And he's like, what? This kid's going to help your defense. He's like, I don't care. He's like, he's like, we're doing things my way. They don't like it. It's fine. They can transfer again. Like, And that's the thing is like he's solely in this for the kids. That man has enough money to do whatever he wants the rest of his life. Or he can go sit on an island and, and drink by time. It's fine. He is doing this for them, right? And he's doing it his way. And his way is building a culture, a sustainable culture of good young men, good young black men for the most part, and building a culture of excellence within that. Yep. Right? And the standards, if you listen to him talk, it's like, we're not going to be late. We're going to sit in the front row. We're going to be respectful to our teachers. It's yes, sir, and no, ma'am. And, and that is it. We're going to be dogs in the field. Yep. We're going to be dogs in the field, right? And these are these are 18-year-old kids, right? So they're going to, they're gonna, you know, MF you. And, and they're the going to talk trash. Sure, exactly. Before right? the game, during the game. Exactly, exactly. And with his personality, does he invite that? Absolutely. That's who he is as a human. That's the, 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 he, he could he could do that. He could be waiting tables somewhere in Hawaii and be doing that. That's and right. it's the same thing. Like he, that's just who he is as a human being. But it's perfect for the way college football has become the, I need to create the dream team. Yeah. And he's done a, he's done a phenomenal job. Hey, getting these kids to buy into something, right? He's gotten so many kids from the transfer portal who just won the shot. He's created a team where, to be honest, their roster's not very good. Besides, like, five, oh. six dudes, they're just – they're not very good. But I'll tell you one thing, man. His son, Shadur Sanders, that kid can play. Yeah. Like, that kid is a first-round pick. Like, he is – and you can tell he's a coach's son. Like you can you can absolutely tell when he when he steps in the field, commands the offense, tough as nails, makes the right throw, and kid has a live arm. I was that was one thing I was really surprised about when I watched him. Uh, when I watched him play, is I I saw a little bit of him, you know, when, when he was uh, Jackson State. at Jackson State yeah. with with Dion, and but seeing him play, and I'm like, man, this kid can actually he can roll to all quadrants on the field, like he's. He's legit, but I just like what he's doing there. And Travis Hunter's a really interesting unicorn of a prospect. Yeah. I mean, he's going to come out in next year's draft and has a chance of being the best receiver and best corner. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. <laughs> you think yeah. about that, right? Yeah. But it's just fun to watch. It's fun to watch someone transcend something, no matter what it is. Yeah. Right. I think it's just it's just one of those fun th it's a you know, he's building some moments that are like were you there moments, right? Like like there are moments in, in athletic history when like you know when things happen, like when Barry Bonds was in, you know, like chasing seventy, right? And it would ESPN whatever you were doing on ESPN, they'd cut across the screen and and Barry would be up and you'd be like, Oh my god, Barry's up again, right? I I stayed up till 
2 a.m. watching Colorado, Colorado State. Yeah. What? Yeah. All my friends stayed up till 2 a.m. watching Colorado versus Colorado State. Yeah. Like, that isn't normal. That's not, that doesn't happen without someone transcending something, right? And I, I, I admire the way he's doing it. Uh, I think he's a really good coach for those kids. And I think it's a lot of fun um, for a team that was not very good and being able to come in there immediately and, and build a community and build a culture that he should be pretty proud of. He should be unbelievably proud about it. And it's and the thing, the criticisms I hear are, you know, people don't understand. Like there's a couple of things. All teams talk trash. All teams do it. So if one wants to point that they had a team talk trash and, you know, rub their feet in the middle of the logo on the field and that kind of thing and use that as motivation to trash the other team, fine. Do what you say, do say what you will. But that stuff takes care of itself on the field. And what do you expect? Okay, you have a former Hall of Fame cornerback the position that gets toasted more than anybody on the field. You are, you are going to look bad at any given moment. You have to have the memory of a salesman, okay? Like, or of any type of performance sure. that deals with rejection on, a, on, on, on an every play basis. I mean, he faced Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin, Mike Quick, all sorts of people who were unbelievable receivers who you know, could just get the better of him on any given play and sometimes did. And you still had to, you know, act, you still had to believe that you could do it. That that one moment where they destroyed you didn't destroy you completely. Yeah. So of course he's going to instill that mentality into his players, especially the ones who probably won't belong there in three to five years that would right. never have gotten recruited or held starting gigs. Right. So he's letting this play, he's helping this team punch above its weight level because of the what he's instilling in terms of the belief. And part of that is to be, have a swagger. Part of it also is that, listen, you know, I'm, I may sound like I'm speaking out of turn and I probably am to an extent, but I have enough family that would back me on this to, to be able to say this is that first of all black people are not a monolith okay you know you know so when you want to you know when you want to talk about black people and black culture there's certainly elements of that in the same way that you would talk about jewish culture or white culture or different things that people would ascribe to a race or a religion or a nationality but it doesn't mean that it's all always true and people are all always the same you know we just so when we, but when we talk about, you know, in the case of Coach Prime, that he wants to be called Coach Prime, you know what, that that's more maybe a cultural thing, you know, you don't like that, I mean, whatever, who cares, you know, yeah, it's not exactly. that is it is it is is it hurting his kids, is it a bad example to his kids? Maybe you need to learn about the communities where a lot of these kids came from, yes. and that there are, as it's... Felix said there are thousands of coach primes all over the place man. and they're known as pillars in their community exactly help kids have done tons of stuff just because your coach in your area that may be a predominantly white neighborhood or maybe a neighborhood that is 
you know, has a, a greater level of diversity where you may not see as much of that. So you're not as experienced with that. Or the fact that he wears sunglasses and a hat. Okay. And people yeah. are making a big deal out of that. You it's know, just, it's just grasping at straws. It, I mean, really, exactly. it's just like, it's, it's, he's it's, doing a great job with the situation he's in and yeah. he didn't choose to go to a powerhouse. Yeah. He, ch- he chose to build something that yeah. he could be proud of and that his, he brought his kids, kids in there too, right? He brought his, his sons yeah. and some of the kids he coached from growing up. Yeah. Like that, that's a cool thing, right? But I, I think it's a, and I think he's doing a great job. And he's being himself. Like yes. he's showing, if you want to talk about an example, I would argue he's being himself and showing that like you can be the kind of black person that he is and you can also still be all the thing and, and that that's a good thing. You know, like that's a, you can be yourself like that. You know, if people were going to complain about that, that you wear sunglasses and a hat because of your dress, because that's alien to what they expect. They want them to look like Nick Saban, you know, or Dabo Sweeney, you know, then, then that's the way one coach looks and acts. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I would not want, I would not want my coach to be Dabo Sweeney. In terms of how he cares no. about kids, I mean, or really, the, the expectations kids. should just be authenticity, and that's what we're getting. Yeah, from. you can be, you can have cultural markers that people identify with certain cultures or different races, and still be exactly what black people would tell you all the time is part of the culture that stereo that people stereotype the opposite. You know, which is the you know people ascribe just crazy things to black people about you, you know uh, about things where they look at a very small portion of of people who've who've either committed crimes or aren't polite or aren't respectful in the same way that there's a lot of white people we don't talk about that with either so it's right. like yeah so i mean sanders and i know that like i appreciate the fact that when i mentioned some of the stuff you're like this is all just ridiculous anyway. I don't even want to dignify half of this stuff either, but I get questions from people occasionally who are otherwise like want to know and are like, you can tell that just are ignorant about certain things because they don't come in contact with it. And for sure. And, but they're like, they're genuinely, they would generally tell you, I just don't know. And what I learned was bad. So can you, you know, so that's, that's, but, but yeah, he's doing, he's doing great. And it's like, and I love the way that he's approached the game. And I love the points that you brought up in terms of like, yeah, he's, he doesn't have to do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't have to do this at all. And, and the, what he demands of his players is, is a higher standard than most. I mean, shoot Bill Snyder, who, if you're going to think of like old white man, old school coaches, it would be Bill Snyder at Kansas state who everyone used to, if you want to talk about how coaches would dignify and raise him up a platform, a guy who really hasn't, you know, he's, they would put him in that pantheon of like, they coached the right way. They went about things the right way. Even though there's certain criticisms with him that I think he's even had to apologize with how he's dealt with some players in the past. But I remember, you know, 
Bryce Brown playing at uh at Tennessee. Great talent at running back. I mean, I unbelievable talent. And he he basically ended up running his own his running himself out of Tennessee. I had a scout tell me that he knew a, a coach who said that they got in an argument with Bryce Brown and Bryce Brown said, look, I'm getting paid more than you are. Why do I need to listen to you? And this was before NIL, you know, that he literally had the gall to say that. So then he took his act to, to, you know, Bill Snyder's team. And Bill Snyder basically said, no, man, you can't play on my team if you're going to behave this way. And I think kicked yeah. him off the team or, yeah. or suspended him. And then he quit. Be, and so and he had to come back and apologize to Bill Snyder to even get a workout in for for NFL scouts. And Bill Snyder said, "I accept your apology and go ahead and you know work out." Yeah. You know, but that's you know that's the way it should be. You're right because you're going to yeah. get all that money right now. You've got a it's a job. Yeah. You got to treat it 100%. like a job. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing ain't, ain't a job is getting a chance to talk with you. You know, Brandon, this it, is anytime. It's always fun. Yeah, it certainly is. And you can follow, you know, Brandon at Angelo underscore fantasy. You should definitely check out his site and the subscription work that he has to offer when it comes to evaluating talent and fantasy football. Um, you know, he he's just awesome. You can hear it here. We uh, people have talked about this show a lot of the shows that we do, uh, you know, the shows that I do with, you know, with the RSP channel. You know, very frequently folks are like, I love this show. I look forward to this show every other week. Appreciate that. So, you know, you can, you know, definitely check out his work. You can find me at Matt Waldman and, um, you know, subscribe to the podcast. You know, you can do various at all the different outlets. Um, you can always download it at the MattWaldmanRSP.com site if you need to. And I have it up on YouTube as well. So, you know, you can check it out there. If you can stand dealing with our ugly mugs, well, at least one of our ugly mugs, <laughs> you'll be okay. <laughs> my, He's hey, my name was prettier. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. He actually, Brandon looks like one of my sons. So I think my son actually looks pretty good, but there you, you go. know, I I'm going to make him that. blush, but you know, he does. He looks, he That's looks, he, he looks oddly like one of my sons. So, um, thank you very much. And you guys take care.